You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. C is for Cowboys, C is for Crap. They're pretty much the same. It don't matter this or that. We'll kick their butts in Green Bay and show them out of town. It's the one sure way we know to keep the crime rate down. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Flip. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that am. So this is very, very important. I need to, uh, I need you all to remember that song. So when we play the Cowboys, somebody out there reminds me, you have to play that song about the Cowboys. I was poking around for something to play prior to and I, I was all over the place. I was trying to find Duke Nukem soundtracks, and only the only good ones have swears in them. And I'm like, I can't do that. The other ones are like, nobody's gonna know it. Like, what was that? Like, I'm bored or something. It's like, what? So I was poking around, and I stumbled on that song that I've never heard, and that's amazing. The one sure way we know to keep the crime rate down. Oh, so true. That is your duty. That is your job to remind me. Whenever we come up against the Cowboys, that song has to be played. Well, there's a couple changes going on here. Um, By a couple, I mean one. I don't know why a couple came out of my mouth. But I've been toying with the idea now, um, especially now that I'm going to be moving further away. My 20-minute commute is becoming a 45-minute commute once we move to the new house. And I don't want to wake up earlier. And I thought, you know what I should do is just switch to recording the podcast at night, releasing it in the morning. It's a big change for somebody that goes to bed at 8 o'clock. And I tell you what, I can go to bed at 7 and just be done, out, gone. To stay up, and it's 9 o'clock right now. I don't see 9 o'clock very often, but um, we're actually going to be recording at nighttime. And today is day one, so I'm going to be a little bit tired and a little bit miserable. I don't know how that's going to affect the quality of the show or whatnot, but I'm, I'm feeling feeling normal. I thought, because I've done a couple things late at night, and usually it's like, I just want to go to bed. I don't want to be here. Like, live streams are usually at night, and it's like, I just want to go to bed. But uh, this should work out nicely. Be able to stay up for football games. Be able to actually do like live streams when people are alive and awake. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But uh, before we launch into the show, I do have a retraction to make, or at least a correction. I'm not going to completely retract it, but we'll we'll do a correction. Um, I don't always get things correctly, but um, I mean I do most of the time. But when I don't, I, I got to make it right. So yesterday on the podcast, I mentioned. Um, that, you know, the reason I don't do heroin is because although there's a short-term benefit, there is a long-term drawback. I believe my, I mentioned that a few minutes of um, joy are not worth years of, of suffering and, and early death. Um, James reached out and informed me that heroin lasts hours, not minutes. So I would like to issue a correction and apology. James, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how you know that. Wasn't going to ask you. I'm still going to say that it's not worth it because of because of the negative stuff, but um, we we gotta we gotta keep things correct here on the show. Also, I have not verified that, and I don't know if it's true. I just thought it would be funny to issue that as a correction. Moving on. So there is quite a bit to get to. Uh, today is Patreon Saturday, um, and we've got quite a bit going on. I'm, I'm I've got stuff all over the place, but I want to start with this. I, I had a little meeting with Goose and Jacob about a couple things. Um, first of all. We have been working for um, quite a long time, just to set the record straight, on a an, an idea, 
Uh, I believe it was Jacob came up with it. One of these guys came up with it. it. Wasn't me. I'm not smart enough. But the general idea is we're going to be having a competition. It's going to be a mock draft. It's very simple. We're going to be creating a link, and I'll get a, a link and a, all that stuff out there for you. Whoever wants to get involved, it's completely free to join. You're going to fill out a first-round mock draft. NFL.com is going to score it. Whoever gets the highest scores is going to get a really awesome prize. The details aren't 100% uh, ironed out yet, but you're definitely going to want to be a part of this. Again, completely free. You don't have to do anything but click the link, get in, and do a mock draft. And um, I believe we're going to have three prizes. First place, second place, third place is how we're planning on doing that. I don't know exactly what we're going to do with ties. Maybe we'll do a raffle or or pick one. I don't know. doesn't matter. Three things we're going to be giving away. So I guess just be on the lookout for that. But anyways, but in the meeting, it came up that uh, Jacob had a question. And it's something that I don't know if he has asked in the past or other people have asked, but um, I've kind of touched on it a little bit, but I thought it would be fun to explore. And so I want to start with that because it's at the forefront of my mind because he literally just asked me. But it's been pointed out several times that uh, I don't know what the thing is. Three out of the last four years, the Packers have tripled up in the middle rounds at one position. So I wanted to do something that I like to do frequently, which is to go position by position and just ask the question, could this possibly be the position, assuming we're going to do it, that we just double up on, triple up on, quadruple up on, whatever? In other words, we're not going to necessarily do it first round, or maybe we do. I don't know. That seems to be the general rule is we don't do it early, but because it's still a priority, we want to hit it hard, whether that's because it's a massive need and it's important. And if we throw three picks at it, there's a better probability of us getting a really good player or because we don't really need top tier, but we need more depth or both or whatever. Those are the two reasons why I could see why tripling up makes a lot of sense. So let's look at it. Let's talk about it. Because obviously we spend all our time talking about the first pick and a decent amount of time about the second round. And if you really want to look at the biggest needs, you say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Here's our three biggest needs. Here's the first three rounds, and this is the order I'm going to do it in. But that's that's kind of 99%. Um, the first three rounds make up probably 99% of Packers draft content or draft content in general. The problem is uh, the first three picks are three picks, and then we have two fourth-round picks, two fifth-round picks, two sixth-round picks, and a seventh. We talk a lot about three of the picks and just completely neglect the next seven. So let's start at the top and work our way down and just rule out quarterback. Now, separate discussion for a different day. Is it possible we draft a quarterback? Yes. In fact, I would say it's incredibly likely at the very least there's an undrafted free agent quarterback coming into camp. I mean, just going into um, the season with one is unlikely. In fact, considering we just have two and we really don't know anything about Jordan Love and we know Aaron Rodgers is kind of toward the end of his career, is it possible that it's maybe not an undrafted free agent or seventh round pick or even sixth round pick? Could it be a Brett Hundley situation where we take somebody in the fourth round? Just throwing it out there. Since we're here in the ballpark, it's something worth talking about. We'll go more in depth on a different day if you're interested. Ask a question. Wide receiver. I think wide receiver makes a massive amount of sense. Now, we've already done this. We did this when we did Jamon, Marquez, and Equinemius. We tripled up. Um, obviously, the result was Jamon was a bust. Uh, Marquez is decent, but is not a real full-time starter. He's just kind of a decent backup or role player or whatever, and Equinemius has not proven to be anything. Not that that has to be the scenario, but the question is, what are, what are you kind of looking for? And so I'm kind of half on board with this one because, yes, we still have Devontae, but we also have Lazard and Equinemius and all those guys. So if we're just going to do it again, we're just going to reload with the same amount of guys, with the same amount of talent. 
I want guys that are going to win that job. Now, at the same time, there's contract situations, which is where this kind of makes the most sense. In other words, those guys, not Lazard necessarily, but pretty much anybody after him, no real guarantees, including MVS, that the Packers have any intention of keeping them around. And so they may be able to look at it and just say, look, I could pay you a new contract or we could just roll with these rookies who are as good as you. So that's one option. I think wide receiver does make a decent amount of sense. I personally, although I'm not on the we have to get a guy in the first round or any of that, I was listening to another podcast today and I need to just stop listening to another podcast because they got to the Packers and everything they said just made me angry. And it's like you can shut down a massive number of podcasts and their their dialogue on the Packers by just reminding them we had the number one offense in football last year. Everything they're saying is nullified by that simple fact, that one simple fact. There's a lot of other things you can say, but just throw out their number one offense and everything they're saying sounds stupid. Now, with that being said, I would like to be able to find a guy not the first round, the second round, third. I don't really care when, but the goal should be we need to find somebody better than the guys we have. Depth is still important because a lot of guys are going to be leaving. So, yeah, if we, if we want to triple up or whatever, fine, but I still wouldn't mind finding somebody earlier that's actually going to solidify this is a real good number two. I've mentioned a lot of times there aren't a lot of real good number twos out there, but they are out there, and it's a pretty big benefit. And, yes, we are the number one offense in football, at least we were last year, but that doesn't mean it wouldn't still be a help. It's not desperate. It's not dire. Trashing the Packers for not doing enough to help Rodgers when we had the number one offense is stupid. But I still believe that getting a dominant number two wide receiver can take us from a scary offense to an unstoppable offense. And I'm okay with that. I'm very okay with that. So that would be my only kind of critique. So it's almost like, could we possibly maybe take a guy in the second or third round that has a genuine shot of solidifying that number two and then maybe take another stab in the fifth round and maybe another one so like pick 93 our second fifth and our second sixth can we just can we try that i mean you know again you go through and you say okay but then we're neglecting this and that i get it but that's my only real critique and that's been my critique i don't really like stacking picks at wide receiver because we've done that and we have a bunch of those guys they're real competent they're they're decent number twos they're real good, like number threes or, you know, somewhere in that category. We don't have a dominant number two, Calvin Ridley, whatever, right? Probably wouldn't be an elite number one, but as a number two, I mean, he's solid. So it's an option. It's not my favorite option. Again, I would rather kind of split it up, get a guy kind of early-ish that we can get real excited about that has real potential. And then maybe for the sake of depth, look at the later rounds so that we can kind of toy with some of the guys that we already have, would we rather keep them? Or some of these new guys, we want to give them a shot because they got some potential. It's just a big pile of guys, and we got to figure out which ones we pay. And it's it's because the guys. I mean, look, we got a lot of guys that are that are their contracts are expiring, and we act as though that means they have to leave. Like your time's up. Sorry, I wish you could stay. We can pay them, and they're not going to cost anything because they're not good at football. Not saying we can keep all of them. I'm just saying let's let's keep that in mind. And even if we keep rookies, you have to pay them too. So you know. It's not like rookies are free. Moving on to running back. It's not impossible, but tripling up is excessive. And that's kind of the criteria is is saying three. Could we possibly get two? Yeah, maybe. I would say one of them would have to be real late round, though. Like if we got a fifth round guy and a seventh round guy, that's fine. We're kind of just making sure we have enough guys, right? But remember, we still have Dexter. We got Patrick Taylor. We got Mike Weber. So it's not like, well, we only have two, so we got to do something. We don't have to do anything. We might just be okay with what we got and don't do anything. I mean, we, we got A.J. Dillon, who's 
the future. We got Aaron Jones, who's technically the future since we just signed him to a big contract, although who knows how long he's going to stick around, but that's a separate issue. We don't need to worry about that today. So uh, answering the question directly, should this be one of those positions? No. Could we get somebody? Sure. Tight end, again, no. It's it's not so much we need a lot of guys. I wouldn't even say so much that I want to take a lot of swings at the prospect of getting a really dominant guy because Tunyon was pretty solid. I genuinely really like um, Josiah DeGuara. Very small sample size. Don't know if he's going to amount to anything, but I really like the guy. Jay Sternberger, again, hasn't shown anything up to this point, but he has followed Robert Tunyon to a T. I mean, almost yard for yard, snap for snap through his first two years and then exploded in year three. So let's at least give him a year. And, and we got a lot of guys. So adding a ton of other guys who are probably going to end up getting cut because they're not going to replace these guys. And if they're later round guys, they're probably not going to win jobs. It just, it feels like completely unnecessary. If you want to take one big swing, fine. I'm not super on board with that, especially in a real weak class. But again, if you want to really solidify like a, a Kyle Pitts type, not that we could get him, but you get what I'm saying. A guy like that, yeah, we're taking him because he's going to be our next great whatever. I don't think there's anybody else to even consider in that role, so I'm not interested. Interior offensive line. Technically, we did it last year. Would I be opposed to doing it again? No. Now, again, it's we've got bodies, so it would be nice to try to get some kind of quality. So I'm kind of in the same situation at wide receiver and and for the same reason because we've done this already. We've we we tripled up on it already. So we've got guys that are depth. If you want to take maybe somebody early and then add in, you know, spread the three picks out over one early and two later, I think that would be ideal. Because we don't want to be in a situation where we got three I don't want to just get the same pile of guys where we've just got a bunch of number twos floating around for no reason. And so, you know, you've got you know, seven backups. Like, how does that help you? It doesn't, right? So I'm kind of to the point where it's like, we need to really build up some quality. I'm not saying any of those guys can't start. Runyon may be a starter. I don't know. Stepniak, any of those guys maybe could be starters. But I feel like what we've solidified is depth. What we need now is talent. So I'm not opposed to getting multiple. I don't really like the triple up in the mid rounds as a general philosophy for that. Again, if you're going to do it, fine. At least go one early and two mid round. Tackle, just no. Um, finding mid-round tackles that are really good is just very, very rare. I know we have the highest-paid tackle in football. I think he still holds that title. If if he does, then he won't for long, but whatever. David Bakhtiari was a mid-round pick. He is by far an outlier. I mean, massive, ridiculous outlier. I feel like if we take three mid-round tackles, we're completely wasting our time. I've done that uh, that little research study thing. And I did find it, but I don't think I, I related to you again. Maybe I did. I don't know. But tackle is one of the positions you take early. First round, I think it's something like first round, second round, third round, but it, it declines pretty rapidly. So first is is key. Second is decent. Third is like your very last chance. I think. I think wide receivers that way too. So I'm kind of getting it confused. But the bottom line is first round or you're probably in trouble. And you have a shot in the second round after that, you're, you're kind of dead in the water. So no, I have no interest in a bunch of mid-round tackles. Again, it's possible, but if we're playing the odds, it's not the best way to play. On the defensive side, um, defensive line, I think I'm for it. I understand it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of similar to some of the other positions, but it's a little different. The, the, the first difference is we haven't done it before, so we don't have a bunch of kind of mid-round. I mean, I guess we do. We have Kingsley Kiki. Dean Lowry plays like a mid-round guy. I think he was. I don't remember, but that's kind of what he is anyways. So it would be nice to get a dominant guy, but a couple of things. Number one, 
as I said, there aren't a lot of dominant guys in this class, but we still need to address it. Tripling up gives us that sort of that first category I talked about where we kind of just need talent. So if we triple up on a mid-round prospect, the odds of us hitting on one of these guys being real good is higher. Of course, depth is never a problem. It's always good to have depth on top of it, especially at the defensive line position. But the bigger goal is hopefully one of these guys can really hit. Beyond that, it's a position where you can find talent in the mid-rounds at a higher rate than you're going to find. Actually, you know what? That's not entirely true. See, I need to have that piece of paper in front of me. I know that there have been some, but I also feel like that's another one where the first round counts. But I'm not entirely opposed to that. If for no other reason, kind of a depth thing, and we haven't really done that. So, you know, it's not a perfect plan, but I would get it. Edge rusher, I mean, again, the biggest issue is it's just really hard to find quality edge rushers in the mid-round. Like, the the hit rate is real low. And um, it's also a position, unlike defensive tackle, where... Not that you want a liability, but I feel like you, it's a position where you can get role players and it's not going to kill you. If you got a guy on, an, on the edge that, I mean, your job is to attack pass rushers. And if you're not good at that one thing, you're kind of useless. I mean, yeah, they're, they're setting an edge and maybe dropping into coverage, God forbid. But really, it's just, you're either good at that or you're not. And so, you know, again, from the standpoint of, well, maybe if you just take a bunch of swings in the mid rounds, you'll find one. Yeah, maybe. It's just not my favorite. I'm going to skip over to safety because the last two are, are kind of interesting. Safety, I think, could make a decent amount of sense, but we've got a lot of safeties. Darnell Savage, Adrian Amos, Will Redmond, Vernon Scott, Raven Green, Ennis Gaines, Henry Black, Ray Wilburn. I'm just reading these. If there's some one of these guys got cut and the website wasn't updated, my bad. Whatever. It's a very common thing I'm going to get corrected for. Just correct it in your mind and uh, whatever. But, I mean, the, the, the positive of it would be it doesn't need to be a major role player. We're, we're just looking for a guy that fits a specific kind of role. I probably said that's stupid. We're not looking for a dominant player because we have the dominant players on our team. We're looking for a role player. The problem is, again, similar to wide receiver, we have a baseline. And if you're going to draft guys, they better be above that baseline. They have to be better than the guys that we already have. Above the Vernon Scotts, the Will Redmonds, the Raven Greens, whatever. Raven is a free agent, by the way. I, I, I kind of had a feeling. I was like, I don't think he's with the team anymore. And I Googled it. And he is not. He's a free agent. But you get the point, right? If, if you think you can hit on it, cool. If not, I don't know. And, and, and when we're talking about three picks, it's like, I don't know. I just don't think I want to do that. Just take a shot. Take a shot at it. We'll be fine without it. Just take a shot. If you want to go early, fine. If you want to go mid-round, fine. Not my favorite option. Now, on to the last two. If we rule out punter, kicker, and long snapper. But I want to start with corner with these last two because that's kind of the most obvious. And I think if I asked people, that's the one that would make the most sense. Now, you could go with the idea that I don't want a bunch of mid-round guys because we want serious talent. But I don't know. I mean, look, you always want talent. That's not a, that's not a question. Of course, you'd rather have a first-round prospect than a fifth-round prospect. But when you look at the fact that the biggest issue right now is is depth it's the fact that we don't have corners and yeah i mean it's, it's similar to wide receiver but i think it's very different we don't have a lazard equinemius mvs funchess um at corner we have kevin king who's really really bad in going bye-bye after this year ideally we have josh jackson who i don't think has ever or probably will really become anything chandon solid but i think he's a one-year deal and we'll see by the way, kudos to Chandon. I believe he just uh, got officially signed, so 
We've got Kadar. I mean, it just feels like a bunch of guys that are are just not going to play. It's not the same. It's it's sort of like we've got a bunch of second tier wide receivers and some third tier wide receivers. We just have a bunch of third tier corners. And so, in this case, if we did do what we did with with a wide receiver and we got a Lazard, I know he wasn't a part of that, but we get a Lazard, we get an uh, an MVS at corner. It's not great. But look at our wide receiver group. It's not that bad. Why? Because we have Devontae, who's a freak, and then we got guys that show up, right? Lazard one day, you know, MVS the other day, and that's pretty much it, but whatever. At corner, if we could have that same thing, where we have Jair, who's just the lockdown guy, and then we got some decent number twos. Of course, it'd be nice to have an elite number two, obviously, but you can obviously get by number one offense in the NFL with some just good number two corners, which I think Chandon kind of fits that that mold, to be completely honest. I don't know if the Packers necessarily agree, but that's that's kind of what I'm talking about. If we had a team full of Chandons with Jair there, I'm good with that. A lot of people are mad because they're like, King's better than Chandon, you idiot. Well, whatever. Then, then a bunch of Kings, I guess. I don't know what to tell you. But I, I think it's interesting, and I'd be okay with it. Again, obviously, a getting a guy in the first round would be ideal, but I'm just saying, if we, if we couldn't, which one would we be okay with saying, all right, Let's pass on it early and just triple up in the mid-rounds, which one makes sense. I think corner does make sense for that reason. And you get the second added benefit, as I said, of maybe one of these guys is a stud. And corner is one of those positions. In fact, undrafted free agents, for some reason, with corners, shockingly, tons of great undrafted free agents. So it's so you get that added benefit of this isn't really one of those it has to be a first-rounder bust. You can get corners kind of everywhere. Obviously, first-round prospects are going to end up being a little bit better. But your odds of hitting in the mid-rounds, decent. And also, we should be taking tons of swings at undrafted free agents because there's just, I don't know why, it's one of the biggest categories of, like, top 32 corners. I think it's, it might be more than first-round picks, but if it's not, it's it's second to first-round picks is undrafted free agents. It's pretty wild. The other one, though, that I think is pretty interesting is linebacker. Obviously, we know the Packers don't like to take uh, big swings at linebacker. We do know that we have a linebacker's coach. Um... We know that there is a good chance, at least, again, I, I'm not going to pretend to be a master of the Joe Barry scheme, and I think anyone that is, is taking some liberties, but it certainly seems as though linebacker is going to be more of a priority. So how can we bridge the gap between not taking a first-round linebacker, but also taking this seriously? I think taking multiple swings would make sense, and I would actually really, really like that. I would say almost more than anything else. First of all, linebacker is definitely one of those positions. Now, second round is the money round. It's super weird. And again, it was just a one-year thing, so maybe it's not this way every year. But when you look at top 32 linebackers in the NFL, I don't remember the number, but I want to say like 10 or 12 of them were second round picks. It's pretty crazy. But the point is, it definitely doesn't have to be first round. But we we have not really invested a lot in linebacker, just period. I mean, Kamal Martin in the fifth round is is a hefty investment for the Packers. Now, they, they consistently took four fourth-round picks, but it's like one fourth-round pick every two years. I think Jake Ryan and Blake Martinez were one year apart, so that was like the big investment. But if you took one year, and again, just if we took, let's say, uh, our first fourth-round pick at 136, and then like a fifth and a sixth, just to stack the position, kind of clean out what we've got. I'll, I'll, I'll try not to name names, but let's just say there's a bunch of guys that are just never going to pan out. And I know they're real popular with the Packers. It's just never going to happen. Clean that out. Find a new, fresh group. And you take swings at different kinds of guys. You get the bigger, kind of run-defendy guys. You get the quick, speedy guys. And, you know, if, if one of them pans out, awesome. You pair them with Kamal Martin. 
whatever. Maybe it's just sort of like what we got with the offensive linemen, where you got guys that can play. They're not ideal, but they can play. And you got some backups that are there that you can maybe develop. But just just one time, let's just really hammer the position and see what we got, see what we can develop, see what we can work with. I actually really, really like that idea because it's just, it's really taking it seriously while not investing a really high pick in a position that doesn't need to be and doesn't actually have a very high hit rate as far as, you know, first round picks. Now, again, second round is the money round. You take a, a linebacker in the second round, it's just, it's, I, the analytical part of my mind is telling me every time I say that, where it's like, that's stupid. There's nothing magical about the second round that's going to make them a better prospect. But at the same time, it's it's hard to hard to argue with the numbers. So that's it. I um I think linebacker and corner kind of make the most sense to me. Wouldn't be opposed to wide receiver necessarily, although it would be kind of frustrating if we just end up getting the same quality of guys we got last time. Um, defensive line, I think, would be my my third priority. There are some issues. Again, first round, I think, is is pretty important. Again, I wish I had my sheet in front of me. I contradicted myself, but. I do think first round is kind of important. But again, we, we've we've hit on that position before. It's not like tackle or quarterback where it's do it or you're doomed. And again, if you triple up, you're getting depth at a position that needs depth. And you're also upping the odds of actually finding a quality contributor. And if nothing else, you get a bunch of rotational pieces, situational guys. But anyways, um, again, I thought that was kind of a fun thing to look at. But why don't we go ahead and take a break? I do have quite a few thank yous, I believe. Got to look around a little bit here. I think they're in different places. But uh, thank you very much to Mr. Eric Spiegel for jumping in on Venmo. Really, really appreciate that, my man. On Patreon, I think I said thank you to... Oh, I did, 100%. So thank you very much to Kurt Hildebrand for jumping in on Patreon. Really, really appreciate that. So I believe we are, what, 13 away now? 13 patrons away from our goal um, by the start of the season. Having 200 supporters, which, as I said, is uh, about 2% of what I need to quit my job. <laughs> Something like that. I don't remember what the numbers were. But it is uh, very much appreciated. Also, we got one more here somewhere. There it is. I knew there was another one. Thank you to Mr. Travis Britz for hitting me up on Facebook. I don't even list that as an option, but you guys are creative. Thank you very, very much for your guys' support. Why don't we go ahead and take a break? We'll come right back with some more content. Starting to get tired, so we got to... Got to get this moving here. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com. All right, turning it over now to uh, the Patreon Discord. Jake has got some questions here. First of all, keep it a little light. Who would win a beer chugging contest between Gronk and Bakhtiari? Let's throw Brett Favre in that contest as well. Let's see. I mean, I, I don't want to sound like a homer, although technically I have two options for homerism, but I, I don't know how to answer this other than probably Bakhtiari. I know Gronk likes to party, but I know there's a lot of guys that like to party that don't know how to chug, and I couldn't tell you the first thing about Brett Favre. I mean, to be honest, he seems like a, a beer drinker. I, again, I don't know much about chug. He seems like, you know, crack a beer and, uh, you know, throw some burgers on the grill kind of thing. Gronk is like, let's pour champagne on my new friends that I met in the club kind of a, of a guy. 
Bakhtiari seems like a chugging beer kind of guy. So I, I think that's what you got to go with. Now, am I putting a lot of money on that? No. Would I be shocked if Brett Favre could throw it down? Or Gronk? Absolutely not. Uh, Jake also asks, what are the best and worst Packers first-round draft picks of all time, not including quarterback? How upset were you when we just drafted Justin Harrell that one year? Not very, because again, I wasn't super into it. I mean, I was into it in terms of I like to watch, but I didn't know any of the backstory. I didn't know anything about the guy. I was just like, oh, sweet. Sounds good, man. So not very. Um, best and worst Packers first-round draft picks of all time. I mean, the, the the obvious answers, best, probably Aaron Rodgers, right? I don't know what else you go with. Favre wasn't a first-round draft pick. Bart Starr was drafted in like the 49th round or something crazy. I Googled it. 17th round. Crazy. And then Tony Mandrick is probably the worst pick. I mean, it's it's kind of, it's one of those things where if it wasn't for the guys that got picked all around him, he would just be a really bad pick in a sea of really bad picks. But the fact that you've got some of the absolute best players in NFL history, basically four out of the top five, I think, were like Hall of Famers, elite Hall of Famers. And then you get just this guy that's just a complete pile of garbage. That's what makes that just absolutely brutal. Uh, Billy says, can you give us the full story on Ryan jumps off a vehicle and blows out his ACL? Got to be something entertaining in that story. Well, we'll see how it goes. So I don't remember absolutely everything, but this was in college. Uh, We were in the dorms. I went to Whitewater. As I mentioned, all the Whitewater guys I'm a big fan of because I went there. Kumro and Miners and all that. Those football games are a blast, by the way. Absolute blast. At least we made it a blast. Although I'll tell you what, I, I did feel guilty the one time when I pushed my friend in a wheelchair, like for fun, and then people like started helping me because it was snowing and they're like trying to push him up the hill and stuff. I was like, I felt bad because it's like, all right, now, you know, you feel bad because people actually think he's crippled and he's absolutely not. We're just completely shammered and being stupid. The funny part of that story though, I told him that I didn't want to stay up there with him all day and watch the game. I want to go down by our friend. So I bailed on him and he felt too guilty to come up to stand up and go walk down there. So, so he sat in the wheelchair the whole, the whole game by himself. Oh, that, that's a good story, man. There's so many good stories. Anyways. Um, again, I don't remember all the details, but we went to our buddy Ray Ray's house. He kind of had his own apartment while we were in the dorm. So that was kind of the cool place to go hang out, right? Because he'd have big parties or whatever. And, and he liked me and my friends because I would bring a whole group of people over there. So he could throw parties and I could fill the parties with lots of people because I'm just that cool. But anyways, on, on this particular night, me and Baxter, the same guy that was a, a, a cripple for an hour or a few hours, and our friend Tara were leaving, probably two in the morning or whatever, and we thought it would be a good idea, my idea, dude, we should run up the back of this parked car and jump off of it. And it's, you know, just being dudes that are, you know, 20 years old and, again, not in their right frame of mind, it sounds like a great idea. So, yeah, run up the trunk, go to the top of the car, hit the hood, and just launch yourself off of it, which was fine until I landed and my knee just bent straight back the other way. ACL torn. So I'm writhing on the ground. They're obviously having a hard time picking me up, and I'm like, just leave me alone. I stand up, and in the process of standing up, accidentally smack Tara in the face. Complete accident. She's beside herself. She's a little bit not in her right mind either, so she's very emotional. She's very upset. Baxter, trying to sympathize with her, starts scolding me for hitting her in the face. I'm like, are you guys serious right now? I, I, I completely wrecked my leg, and I'm being scolded for punching her in the face on accident. He ends up carrying her home because I punched her in the face. I don't know why she needs to be carried. I need to be carried. I hobbled myself home on a torn ACL. Baxter's carrying Tara because I slapped her in the face. 
And uh, that's how that went. And I uh, ended up using crutches to go to all my classes for a while in the snow and slippery whatever else and re-injured my knee about 17 different times because they told me I probably tore my ACL, but I never got it checked out because I'm in college and I don't have... Probably I didn't show. I don't know. I'm just, I'm lazy. I'm not going to the doctor. I'm not doing that. That's stupid. So I never got it taken care of and I re-injured it a bunch of times. Fun college story number one and two. I told my friend we should have wrote a book and we didn't. And so there's about 500 stories that have just gone missing in the uh, annals of time. But that is a story on how I tore my ACL. At least that's my recollection. I'll see if we can get Baxter in the group to kind of freshen that up a little bit. But that was my recollection is her being carried home. Well, I have to hobble home on a torn ACL. I was so mad about that. Like, dude, I, I, you should be carrying me. <laughs> God, this is ridiculous. It hurt real bad. All right, Dustin says, do you think the surprise number one pick could be a Lim McNeil defensive tackle or Javon Holland safety? They seem like the type of players Goot would be a shock pick of the world. Um, in my first round mock, which is now has to change because it was a big trade, which I didn't even bring up in this podcast. We'll have to talk about it tomorrow because I just kind of launched into it. Um, I do have a surprise pick. It's neither of those guys, but let's look at them. So we've talked a little bit about Javon Holland. I think that would be less of a shock. In other words, it it would be kind of a perfect goot pick where it's like, all right, I guess I get it, but eh, it's not where I was hoping you'd go with that. But, uh, let's, let's quickly look at them and then, um, move along. And by move along, I mean, we'll be done. So first things first, and I always have to mention this, um, because it's, it's always different for well, I guess people just don't realize it because Javon Holland is always called a safety. PFF actually calls him a corner because that's primarily what he did play in college. But like a lot of other guys that we've talked about, that versatility is part of the thing that's really exciting about him and the fact that we do need corners. So Javon Holland provides you with a safety slash possibly helping us at the corner position if we just get kind of dire at that spot. So for that reason alone, it makes sense. But this past year, he actually played... 24 snaps at free safety, 24, 179 in the box, which could be strong safety, linebacker, whatever, 591 at in the slot. He actually played more snaps out wide than he did at free safety, 28 snaps out wide, 24 free safety. Now, 2018, he was primarily a free safety, 280 of a 621 snaps, 213 in the slot, 121 in the box. So he completely changed his role in 2019, did not play in 2020, which is another kind of iffy situation. But that's what you're getting. You're getting a safety slash inside the box slash slot corner guy. Safety slash slot guy, which is not easy to say in successive order. In terms of his grades, fantastic. And and fantastic in every way that matters, which is to say coverage. <laughs> uh, I know that other things do matter or whatever, but um, 83 overall and 81 overall his, his, in his two years. His coverage grades, 89 and 85. Now, run defense, 52 and 72, which obviously that got better. That's cool. Maybe that stays up. Maybe it doesn't. Tackling, 64-74. Again, maybe it stays up. Maybe it's a fluke. 62 and 52 for pass rush, meaning not really a strength. But the guy's a stud. 98% of the reason that he's a stud is his coverage. I'm fine with that. And again, remember, he was primarily a safety first and then a slot corner, and both times he graded up really, really well. In fact, his coverage grade again, 89 in 2018, 85 in in 2019. Did I say that right? 2018, then 2019? He was actually better in his first year in 2018 as a safety um, than he was in 2019 as a corner. In 2018, again, he did everything all over the place, but primarily safety year. 40 targets, 24 receptions, um, 293 yards, two touchdowns, five interceptions, six pass breakups, 59.7 passer rating. 
2019, again, primarily slot guy, but also a good amount of safety. We've got uh, 69 targets, 44 receptions. That's going to go up when you're a corner compared to a safety, right? You Obviously, you get targeted more often. Uh, 472 yards given up, which is a little bit high, but whatever. Um, let's see, two touchdowns given up, same as the year prior. Still four interceptions, five pass breakups. So he's kind of a ball hawk, which again, I dig that, man. I mean, it, it kind of reminds me of, and I don't know exactly what he did with uh, what his speed and all that kind of stuff is, kind of reminds me of Savage a little bit. It's like, can he tackle? It's like, I, yeah, I maybe. I don't know. I don't really care. Like, he's he's really good in coverage, and that's 100% what I care about. I don't want you to be bad as, as a tackler or anything. like. I'm not asking acting like that doesn't matter because it does. But would I get excited about Javon? Yeah. And even if people are like, well, we don't need a safety that's stupid, fine. Then just pretend he's a corner and get over it. So, yeah, I, I, I dig it. Again, he's on the list of second-round guys where if, if the Packers took him, I'd be like, all right, cool, man. I, I, I'm all for it. Alim McNeil now. And let, let's uh, let's look at this really quickly here. On the old consensus big board, we've got Javon Holland. Where he has fallen a bit, isn't he? Fifty six. So we're talking late second. So that would be kind of a shock. Although he was like consensus late first for a very long time. So I don't know that it would. It still seems like it wouldn't be that much of a shock. Alim McNeil is sitting at seventy eight. So that's like the real big shocker. I would not be super happy about that, even though I do like Alim McNeil. And the only reason I say that is at 6'2", you're getting a nose tackle. You're getting a guy that is limited. And I just don't think you spend a first-round pick on a guy like... You can if he's a guy like Danny Shelton, right? If he's if he's a guy that is a freak at 6'2", 320 that you think can legitimately rush the passer, go for it. And And look, he grades out really well. In his three years at NC State, his pass rushing grades starting in 2018 were 69, which is decent, 80, and 77.5. So he's grading out quite well as a pass rusher. So it's possible that, and and let me see about these true pass set kind of things, see if that gives us a little bit of a picture, although I can't view it from here. We'll get there. Um, Now we better get there now. I want to make that point and move on. All right, so it doesn't help him all that much. His his win percentage, which again is different than his pass rush percentage, which is not good. Let's let's start there. So the the metric that I've used forever is his pressure percentage. So he had 12 pressures on 267 attempts, no sacks. That's 4%, which is nose tackle numbers, right? It's 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 you are really good against the run and that's it and that's not great. Uh, the year prior was 18 out of 252, so really no big difference there. I mean, it's better. It's He also had seven sacks. So that that's going to be one of those things, too, where people are going to see a 320-pound guy in 2019 that had seven sacks, and they're going to say this guy's a freak. But that's I mean, that number is ridiculous. The fact that he only had 18 pressures but had seven sacks, that's, that's unheard of. Uh, the year prior to that, 20 pressures on 245. So every year has actually gotten worse in terms of his percentages even though the grades have have gone up but if you look at his win rate which is just how many times you beat the guy in front of you you would expect the nose tackle to be much better right you're going to whoop the guy in front of him you just have no ability to run to the quarterback from there it does go up from 4.4 percent or whatever it was in 20 whatever to 9.3 percent and then if you look at true pass sets which is supposedly isolating more one-on-one situations we're going to eliminate the double teams and everything that's going to give you the best possible picture. It only goes up to 10.6%. So it really still, although it's decent, right? You can see why he grades out well as a pass rusher. 10% is decent, especially at 320. You're not going to be getting much pass rush out of him. So I think 
I like Alim McNeil a lot. A lot. If we get him in the third round, I'm going to be super excited because you're getting a stud nose tackle who had a 92 overall run defense grade, um, and I just think is going to do a fantastic job just clogging up in the run game. He's going to be like the 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 fill that snacks Harrison role. Now, how pro- prevalent is that for Joe Barry? How much of a liability is that? You know, you get out on fourth and one, you throw him out there, they convert on a run play, they hurry back to the line, now it's first and ten, and he's stuck out there. You know, that whole thing is kind of iffy, and I think teams are kind of leery of that. But, you know, again, starting in the third round, maybe you can make a case for second round, but I'm still looking for more versatility than that. I mean, if, if he was just a pass rusher, was terrible against the run, maybe you look at second round. Granted, those guys go in the first round, but I think that's stupid too. The Javon Kinlaws and the, uh, what's the other guy's name? I don't know, these, these tiny pass rushers that are that are really quick but just get blown off the ball. But, um, again, nose tackles, eh. So, I mean, would that blow me away? Yes. And, and honestly, what that would tell me, and again, I think it's very low probability that it happens. If they take him in the first, I think that the Packers are telling us, we think he can bring some pressure. Maybe that's not his primary thing. Obviously, he's going to be better against the run. But what we're kind of looking at him as being able to provide some pass rush ability. And there's some basis for that, right? I mean, again, the pass rush grades were actually pretty solid. PFF watched him and said, no, he's, he's decent at it. But again, I just, I really don't think that's his thing. Again, at 6'2", 320, nose tackle, I don't think he goes in the first round. So just my thoughts. Anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.